Hi, this is Matthew Rose, and you are listening to the CVH Podcast. Oh. Good morning. Uh, Thursday, June 10th. And I'm uh, coming in from Paris today. Um... Jet lag's almost over. I'm sure it was the <laughs> illegal edibles that I snuck into the country. I'm just kidding, not really. I mean, I mean, I did do that. Anyway, um, I went. Before you go to the first day of work, you have to uh, go to a pharmacy and get an antigen test. Uh, any pharmacy will do it, and there's no charge, surprising. Um, or not so surprising. I think we were paying like 150 in the States. Um, they do it for free here, which is real nice. But <laughs> uh, you get what you pay for. <laughs> I went to just the, the closest pharmacy to my apartment. Uh, you know, like pretty standard Parisian pharmacy. You know, it's not a big place, but it's, it's, got, all the, it's got all the things you need, you know. And so I went in and I said, uh, they set up a big white tent outside and, and this is how you know you can get a test. Uh, you know, they don't want you to, they don't want you to hang out inside. These places are too small for that. And so there's like a little white, you know, medical triage tent, um, outside the pharmacy. And so I went in and you just fill out a little paperwork and then you go and meet the guy outside. This guy didn't look more than 20, uh, you know, but I've had so many of these tests. I don't, I don't sweat it. I just sit down and let them stick a seven inch blade into your nose and twist it around a little bit. Well, this guy, he, uh, you know, this is going to be a little graphic, but he goes in, uh, and just, it was clear that he sort of nicked the cartilage. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, a Q-tip, but the cotton on the, on the end of the Q-tip is, is just paper thin. So it's really like the hard stick of a Q-tip that's going in with just a tiny bit of, you know, cotton padding, tiny bit. And he clipped uh, the cartilage in there. And it, it, it was the first time that I felt like pain. But, you know, it, it only lasts 10 seconds. And so I'm just sort of trying to be cool about it. But he's he's spinning this thing. <laughs> he's spinning it like a top. He's <laughs> it's like as hard as he can spin it in my in my nose, He can he's doing that. And the pain is getting worse. And um, you can't help it. You just pull away. You know, you just pull away from the guy like the fuck are you doing right now? I've had, I've had uh, nearly 50 of these tests and, and I've never had one feel like this. And so when I pull away, you know, he pulls the thing out realizing <laughs> it's enough and it's covered in blood. Yep. It's covered in blood. And I see that and I kind of like, uh, uh, move my head forward and blood is dripping out of my nose almost as fast as it can, right, right before pouring, you know, whatever, whatever the fast drip is right before pouring. <laughs> and there's blood just coming out. And, um, I look at the guy like, <laughs> are you insane? Uh, I said, I've had 50 of these tests. I've never had blood before. He said, well, I've done a thousand of these tests and I've never had blood before. So we pass the blame to each other. And, uh, you know, I can just like taste iron in the back of my throat. Like it's, it's very clear that, uh, that something's going poorly. And, uh, you know, he had some tissues and stuff. And so, <laughs> so I walk out of this tent, like somebody just punched me in the nose. 
uh, I couldn't believe what happened. And, um, you know, of, of course it's negative. Between being completely vaccinated and, and uh, wearing a never-ending mask, uh, I, I just always assume I'm going to be negative. Uh, he beat me up good. Uh, and so, you know, at work today, we, we have a bi-weekly test. So just because I had one on Tuesday doesn't mean I got to skip the Thursday test. So I go in to sit down and do that one. And uh, I'm, I'm wildly paranoid that this is about to happen again. <laughs> I had a little PTSD from the first one. And so uh, I told the girl, I was like, look, my last one of these did not go well. Please be gentle. And she, she assured me that I'm cool. Don't worry, it's cool. And it was. She she barely, you know, she didn't stick it in half as far and, and um, didn't twist it. Uh, just sort of like moved it around a little bit. And so it was fine. But I guess it was bound to happen eventually. Somebody was going to stab someone. Uh, it just, it was the twisting part that made it so painful. And uh, it, it bled for hours. I couldn't get it to stop. That was, um, that was pretty cool. Uh, but we have uh, started work now. Uh, my first day was, uh, I guess it was yesterday. You know, yesterday. And um, it's good. It's um, it's weird to me. I'm I'm uh, clearly the oldest person in the cast. Now, this has happened before. Uh, you sort of expect it um, in, a, in a smaller opera house. I would expect to be the oldest one in a smaller opera house because, you know, often a smaller opera house is giving younger people more opportunity. Um, it's often what they can afford. <laughs> um, but, uh, this was, uh, you know, this is the Paris opera <laughs> and, uh, you know, somebody might be close to my age, but they certainly don't look it. You know, I'm the only one rocking mostly gray hair in his beard. Um, and my, my, uh, Pauly Walnuts wingtips. Uh, it's, it's strange. It, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. I mean, okay, it's fine to be the elder statesman, but I, I think it's the passage of time that's bumming me out. You just think, for so long, you were the young one in the room, and there didn't seem to be a, a transitionary period. You were just young, and then you were old. <laughs> there, was no, <laughs> there was no middle ground. Uh, you know, it could, be, it could be because we're doing Mozart, and, and um, more often than not, uh, that's, that's done by younger singers. So I guess that's my, um, that's my label for now. I'm going to be elder statesman, <laughs> but it's great to be back. And, and, um, uh, today I got to watch a couple of great friends receive, um, uh, an award given to, uh, people in the arts, uh, by the French government. It was really kind of a beautiful ceremony and we were up in the boss's office, which is, um, surely the greatest office in the history of intendance, uh, you know, it's it's no less than five thousand square feet, with pretty much the best view in all of Paris. Uh, short of going up to Sacre Coeur and having a look out, this is this is by far the best view uh, because you actually get to see that too. Uh, and uh, just a beautiful ceremony for for um, Etienne Dupuy and Nicole Carr, and uh, well deserved, wonderful human beings, and and uh, was happy to uh, be there and witness that. And. Um, and then immediately try and figure out how I get one myself. <laughs> uh, but it is good to be back, and good to be back in this opera house where I'm, where I'm um, remembered and and treated so nicely, and and uh, old friends and new friends, and and every you know everybody sounds great. You know we continue to sing through masks, uh, which is 
you know, takes a, takes a getting used to, but, um, uh, so far so good. It's La Clemenza di Tito. It's not my favorite. I won't pretend it is. Um, the restatives are so clearly not written by Mozart. Uh, so they, they can be fairly, I don't know, pedestrian is the wrong word, but, um, they're, they're straightforward. Not too many surprises, uh, within there. And, um, it, I find that a little bit of Clemenza goes a long way and, and there's a ton of recit. Unfortunately, I don't have too much, but, uh, some of these other singers just go on and on and on and, uh, it's not that it's an acquired taste. It's just, um, I feel like it, the, um, the pressure is put on to the singer to keep it, um, as interesting as possible. Mm. And that, that just comes from believing every word you're saying, even if what you're saying is a lie, you know, what the, the character needs to, to, uh, buy into it that far. And that's kind of helping. But like I said, it, it, you know, sort of, um, Tito falls, falls under that. I love Mozart, but, but some of it, some of it falls under that handle, um, mentality that I have that, a, that a little bit of handle goes a long way. <laughs> Nothing puts me down faster than 15 arias in a row. <laughs> that's just being, that's just being honest, um, uh, this may probably, but definitely will be my last La Clemenza di Tito. Uh, but what, you know, no better place to do your last one in. Uh, it's a, it's a joy to sing for this company and, and, and being back in the room. And it seems like some of the rules have been lifted because there's a lot more people in the room. Uh, when we did the Faust, there might've been five or six, uh, people staring at you while you sing. And today it was no less than 15, just a table's of people observing, which I'm always put off by. Yeah, I realize they're all there to help me, but um, it's something about having what feels like an audience on one of the first days is always a little bit strange. But hey, it's not that big a deal. It's going fine. We actually rehearse on... Uh, I mean, this building is... Uh, the Basti uh, building, the opera building here, is... It's phenomenal. It's a city. There's eight floors up... And six floors below uh, the building. And I mean, when I say below, I mean six stories below. The, uh, the Met goes down three or four. This is six. Uh, we're below the subway. We're below the water line. It's really something. And, and we are, we are um, rehearsing in negative six. We're in the basement. And I guess we're just going to be here for a couple of days and then move, uh, a couple of weeks, rather, and uh, move over to the, to the Garnier, um, which is a little bit further. But I did something real fun today, and I'm sure that I looked completely ridiculous, but all over Paris, they've got five or six different companies have set up uh, scooters, rentable, by-the-minute by the scooters, uh, you know, electronic sco scooter that you can hop on and, and get where you're going. And so I took one home today because it really is just a straight shot, one, one road, and, and I can keep it on the sidewalk because the sidewalk... Uh, of this street is is uh, quadruple wide. It's huge, and so you're not you're not running into people walking or anything. And and there's a bike lane too. And um, and so I hop up on this scooter. Now I'm six foot five, and the scooter is it has to be eight or nine inches off the ground. And so, and so suddenly I'm seven feet tall, and and going at about seventeen, eighteen, nineteen miles per hour. <laughs> it must be a sight. 
uh, uh, twice I had to duck under some awnings. <laughs> and then thought, maybe I should slow this down a little bit. <laughs> this is my first ride. Maybe don't, uh, maybe don't decapitate yourself on the first day. But they're cool. You, you pick them up almost anywhere and you, and you can park it in these designated areas. But, you know, every major intersection's got a spot for you to do it. And so you kind of feel like a 12-year-old. Uh, I don't know how many 42-year-olds should be on these things, but, uh, you know, for now I'm going to try. I'm going to keep it going. Uh, it, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it seems like our, um, uh, it seems like our union, our American Guild of Musical Artists, uh, passed the, um, uh, the, the bargaining agreement with the Met, and it looks like um, it seems that uh, the union is ready to go back to work in the fall uh, at the Met. It was um, it was a, a rough couple of weeks there. Um, we 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 did manage some progress, uh, not as much as some would like, um, but um, that's how that goes, you know. When you're when you're negotiating with such a large group of different sectors of people, um, not everybody's going to be thrilled. Uh, uh, it was an interesting process to say the least, uh, eye-opening, uh, illuminating. I think, um, I think our, our conglomerate of, uh, soloists will, are, are going to take a much heavier, uh, role in things going forward. I think we, I think we learned a pretty tight lesson, um, so as far as the singers are concerned, um, you know, the, the chorus and the dancers and the soloists, um, we're going back to work in the, in the fall. Uh, there, there's still a, a couple of things, a couple of unions that need to get ironed out before that's official. Uh, but, you know, these things kind of go in waves if, if um, you know, if one goes, typically the rest will follow suit in some fashion. It might not be as pretty as everybody wants it, but... Um, uh, my prediction is um, a, a full season at the Metropolitan Opera this year, and uh, that's great. There, there's a lot of people that need to get back to work, and more importantly, we need to get our audience back in the theater. Uh, we need to we need to remind them that we're here and that our product is great, and we can't wait to bring it to them. Uh, and that's and that's ultimately, you know, wherever wherever I fell personally uh, in the whole negotiating process. Um, um, if there's one thing that's Date above all of it is that um, uh, we owed it. We owed it to New York to get back to work as soon as we can. Uh, it's very clear that New York is hurting, and and um, you know crime is up. People have left the city. There there was a there was a large impetus of people that just left, and and uh, it's time to start going back the other way. Uh, and and get people in the theaters again. And and I, I we're going to be cleared. I think we're going to be cleared for everybody. Uh, we're cleared here. Uh, I was told today that we'll have um, uh, not only be allowed to have a full audience. I mean, like every seat can be sold, uh, but we're that for opening we're already sold out, and that's brilliant. Boy, is that good to hear. Um, you know, it's it's a, a smaller theater. I think it's only about a thousand seats, so it's it's not so difficult to sell that. But um, it was encouraging. Uh, people are ready to get back to it. They're ready to be out there. Uh, you can sense it. You can feel it. All the restaurants here are open. There's uh, people are elbow to elbow without their masks here in Paris, <laughs> which is probably not a great idea considering how far behind they are in vaccines. But um, uh, these people were ready to turn the corner, and they did. 
and and you can smell it at home too. It really feels like this has come to. It, it's not going to be a you know turn it off, turn it back on situation, but everything is in the positive direction now, and and I think we're all. Uh, breathing a sigh of relief that uh, the vaccine has been effective and and that that for the majority of people are are going to get it. It is interesting about the demographics on people not getting it. Um, uh, the geographics, really. Um, it's it's uh, the the deeper into the Bible belt you are, the more likely you are to not get it, apparently. And it also correlates directly to the literacy rate uh, per state. Now, I'm not saying anything dickish, I'm just speaking truth, um, that if your state scores pretty low in school, you also don't seem to want to get the vaccine. And it seems to be the more Jesus in your life, the, um, the, less, the less interested in the vaccine you are. Now, that's not everybody, but it is a very clear uh, correlation and trend. Uh, it's hard to get people in Mississippi to go get their vaccine it's a bummer because it, it does delay things and, and puts a lot of people at risk. It's not, you know, this thing didn't go anywhere. It's just um, it doesn't have enough people to attack. I really wouldn't want to be somebody without the vaccine. Really, I, I mean, that's that seems like the much more giant risk. Uh, shoot, man. I feel like going out for sushi is a bigger risk than getting this vaccine. <laughs> Uh, I had one bad day. The second shot gave me like one flu-like day. I just felt run down and just achy and sleepy. And uh, but the but the very next day it was completely gone. And that was only after the second shot. The first one I felt really fine. Uh, and it was a nice to be on an airplane feeling vaccinated. You know, when I came over a couple months ago, uh, I was super paranoid about keeping my mask tight on that big flight. Uh, and I, you know, I still left my mask on, but I, I just didn't have the paranoia that I was just surrounded by virus. Uh, it's a nice thing. And it's, and it's, I've said it a million times. It's such a joy to see my business cranking back up and getting back to work. Uh, we've had enough mercy, you know, like we're, we, we surrender. <laughs> you win. It's been, uh, you know, a year and three or four months now, and and uh, we're done. We're done, and we're happy to be back, and we're not going to... I know, personally, I'm never going to take a live performance for granted ever again. I'm never going to just assume that it's always going to happen. Uh, I think that'll make the performances better. I have to think that. I do think that. This has been the CVH Podcast. I love you for listening. This is the Thursday show. Uh, I want to wish everybody a great weekend, and um, we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Old man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you were. Old man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you Give me things that don't get
Like a coin that won't get tossed Rolling home to you Look at how the time goes past, but I'm all alone.